Hey gang, this is Matthew Gray, and welcome to 50 Tastes of Gray. Forget flowers and chocolate. This Valentine's Day, we're turning up the heat with food. But not just any food, friends. We're talking about aphrodisiacs, romance on a plate, and ways to spice things up that go beyond the bedroom. And who better to guide us on this delicious journey than Amy Riley from EatSomethingSexy.com. Now, you might be thinking, aphrodisiacs, really? But trust me, there's more to it than oysters and chocolate-covered strawberries. Amy, a fellow Cordon Bleu graduate, me from London and her from Australia, isn't just a chef. Amy's a leading authority on food and its power to enhance desire and intimacy. So get ready for a conversation filled with laughs, sexy tips, and delicious inspiration. We'll be learning how to use food to spark passion, creativity, Boost your libido naturally, create unforgettable romantic experiences, and maybe even whip up some aphrodisiac dishes that will leave your partner speechless and hungry for more. So buckle up, folks, because Amy's about to show us how to turn up the heat in the kitchen and the bedroom this Valentine's Day. Aloha. Can Amy come out and play? Are we not allowed to? I don't think we're allowed to do that anymore, are we? I usually start off every show by asking my guests, what have you eaten today? So let's start mm. there. Wait, wait, before we start, I want to know what island are you on? Oahu. Okay. Have what been? part? Yes. What Honolulu. Part? Oh, you're um, in Honolulu. About a mile from Waikiki, just oh, okay. towards the hillside, about a mile uh, oh, north okay. of there. Yeah. Gotcha. There's right a near really... Punahou School. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm just curious. We had looked kind of semi-seriously at moving to Oahu. It just, it's just not realistic. <laughs> oh, no. Not unless you, uh, you know, have hit the lottery recently. It's, right. it's next well, to Well, we were going to, to before. We were going to. It was like 2018-19. That's okay. when we were thinking about it. We, we could have... The house part would have been much cheaper. We would have, could have really catched out and done it phenomenally in terms of, of that. But it's just, you know, I know the cost of living is high. And work, my husband's a film editor. So, you mm -hmm. know, the concern of work and, and the work that he would get would probably not pay, pay terribly well. And between that and high cost of living and the stress. And also we were feared that we would be trading in, we would be leaving here and trading the problems that we have here for identical problems there, except that we'd be in Hawaii. And would that be enough to <laughs> make it better? I don't know. Where is you know, the problems here? of Los Angeles. So the problems okay. we were trying to escape, the biggest problem we wanted to escape is developers, mm -hmm. you know, and the small time developers who who tear down houses and make McMahon. We, we got very ill from problem McMansion next door is a whole long story. But anyway, yeah. you know, trying to escape, escape mansionization as well as, you know, the problems of homelessness on your doorstep. And, you know, it's, it's all still there in Honolulu. I know it is. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, you know, so, L.A., Honolulu, any city that's that's moderate to large is going to have the same problems with developers and homelessness and things along those lines. Traffic, you know. Mm -hmm. What part of L.A.? We're we're pretty central. It's an area that's now known as Beverly Grove. It's a new designation. It's near Miracle Mile. Okay, down by Wilshire. So between Miracle Mile and West Hollywood. Okay. That it's there, like it never had a name, but now with the Grove Shopping Center, they named us after the Grove. What have you eaten today? All right. Okay. 
what have I eaten today? Let's see. I, oh, you know what? It was, I was at my daughter's school. It was parent breakfast. So I had coffee and bagels at school. Oh, nice. Uh, was, it, <laughs> was it just plain bagels or was it bagel with the schmear and the whole bit? It was, I had scallion cream cheese and uh -huh. something different for me. I had an egg bagel. Do you remember the days when there were no everything bagels to be found or blueberry bagels? It was just like, you know, you had your garlic, your onion, your egg, and your plain, right? I always remember cinnamon and raisin. That's what I wanted as a kid. Okay. Those I, I remember. I don't, I don't even remember the sweet bagels happening. I remember mm. donuts, but not sweet well, bagels. Yeah. <laughs> no, cinnamon raisin. I do remember that, but I couldn't tell you when I had my first everything bagel. <laughs> For you, eating bagels in the morning for a parent breakfast at school <laughs> is unusual. What might you normally have? I'm a little odd with breakfast. Some days when I wake up, I make myself a latte. And uh -huh. if we have any, I eat an apple banana. Can't be a oh. regular banana, has to be an apple banana. I can totally understand. That's what's mm. primary here as far as the banana choices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I make green juice for the whole family. So then that's kind of my breakfast is my green juice. And I'm usually around 10 in the morning, I get hungry for lunch and I'll eat like a salad at 10 mm -hmm. in the morning. Now you have a background in culinary arts, do you not? I do. Where were you trained? So I have a master of arts degree from Le Cordon Bleu. Okay, which one? It was through their main English speaking campus, which is in South Australia. Oh, how interesting not is that? Not what you were expecting, was it? No, no, <laughs> not at all. How long was your course? It was, it was supposed to be a two-year course, but mm -hmm. I, being an overachiever, I decided to do my dissertation in half a year. So I did it. Oh. It took me a year and a half. <laughs> well, this is the first time on my show that I've spoken to another Cordon Bleu person. So uh -huh. very, very cool. How much of a role does food play in your life, having been trained at the Cordon Bleu? And now, of course, with your specialty, talking about food as an aphrodisiac. Hmm. So my degree from Cordon Bleu, I did the MA program. So we did everything but the technical of cooking. Uh -huh. We studied food and history, food and food, the link between food and psychology, food and the arts, food in the world and everything beyond. That being said, I have cooked all my life. Almost everyone in my program was either a trained chef or someone like me who had cooked all of their lives. I have gone on to write five cookbooks um, right. and have taught cooking classes as well. But yeah, I, I always like to clarify, like I wasn't in the kitchen learning how to chop a knife with an angry Frenchman standing behind me oh, <laughs> and okay. chop, chop onions with a knife. With an angry Frenchman. You see, that was my me. background. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, I know. Most well, of my friends have been through it. <laughs> this is interesting because if you've, if you've been educated on food and psychology, mm -hmm. how did you make the leap from food and psychology to food as an aphrodisiac? Because obviously there's a lot of psychology related mm -hmm. to that. It's a very complex and fascinating topic. So I was actually, I was into aphrodisiacs before I went to Cordon Bleu. So I, while I was there, I took any opportunity that I could to dive further into the topic. Anytime there was self-directed study. And for example, my dissertation topic was the relationship between food and sex in American popular culture. So that's, you know, obviously the, that's where I started with aphrodisiacs. I started with aphrodisiacs from a historical standpoint and then moved more into the, the science. And oddly, there's everything we know about aphrodisiacs. You would assume that the psychology of it is the best studied, but there's really very little 
measurable evidence of mm -hmm. how foods truly impact us psychologically. Um, you know, when it comes to the topic of food and sex. Because there's no strong scientific evidence, how do you relate food and sex? Is it, well, there's, there's plenty yeah. of evidence in terms of like the, the effects on the body. So uh -huh. physiological effects, um, the nutrition of aphrodisiac ingredients. There's been enormous amounts of study on all of that and that we can look at. And then you kind of cross-reference that with the history and the folklore. And it all makes sense, really. Talk a little bit about the direct physiological effects on libido that some foods have and why. So one of my favorites to talk about is chili peppers. Uh -huh. I don't know if you've heard about chili as an aphrodisiac. You know, not only are they, they do nutritionally, if you if you look at the nutrition of a chili pepper, you could say, oh yeah, this, is, this would be good for your libido. You know, it's full of vitamin C and things. However, how much chili are you really realistically going to eat? Exactly. <laughs> Right. In one sitting, you're really not getting absorbing a lot of nutrition from a chili. That being said, I like to tell people chilies are, are a good ingredient to serve. If you tolerate spice, mind you, they're a good ingredient to serve at like a romantic dinner because they raise body temperature. You're a little more ready to tear off your clothing uh -huh, if you've, uh -huh. you know, if you've eaten a warming food like a chili. The warming spices also would fit into that like cinnamon or nutmeg to a lesser extent, or even ginger. But um, they also make your tongue tingle, which can make kissing more interesting. Right, they make right. your lips plump up, which back to the psychology, which is believed psychologically to make you want, if you're attracted to the person across the table and make you want to kiss them more, if their lips right. are more plump. And it's even been said that it can bring a bit of a flush to your face, which mm -hmm. potentially could be, you know, equate to a sexual flush in someone's mind and, and like sort of bring up those feelings of attraction. So yeah, chilies are a, a great example when, when you're kind of looking at all of that. When you talk about chilies, are you, is there a specific one that you keep around the house? That I keep around the house? You know what? I love the smoky flavor of a chipotle personally, but uh -huh. I'm honestly not much of a spice person. Um, right, right. I tolerate very, very little spice so uh and that's something that's really when you talk about aphrodisiacs that's the most important thing of course to keep in mind is who is this who is the audience who is this food for and, and what are their personal preferences when you talk about aphrodisiacs obviously it has to begin at the attraction before the aphrodisiac has to do with how you feel about someone prior to eating anything like oysters right. i'm gonna have a plate of oysters and we're gonna do it all night long is not really the way it works <laughs> right you have to really enjoy the person the company that right. you are having the, the right. engagement that you're enjoying together right although i will tell you so when i was working on my first book work me spoon me Great title. <laughs> Thank you. I can tell you, you kind of like the play on words and the punny titles like I do <laughs> based on the name of your show. Right. But, um, so when I was working on the book, I, well, you don't have what it's like when you're testing recipes for a cookbook. There's an enormous amount of food around. You're making the dishes over and over. So not only do you have an enormous amount of food, but you're probably tired of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I had this friend who was, he was a bachelor and I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't even sure he could boil water. He definitely wasn't cooking. He was living off takeout and cans of soup. So I kept inviting him over saying, well, I have all this food. And I was just being nice, really. Yeah. And I, you know, he was never someone I considered romantically. Two years later, we moved in together. We are now married with two children. I, you know, there's something so, to it beyond what we can control, apparently. 
you're going to make that connection to the fact that you fell in love with this man who you weren't originally attracted to based on food and aphrodisiacs more so than you guys connecting over time and really be able to kind of connect. Yeah, because that's when it happened. It absolutely, I'd known him for quite some time prior Uh and um, I had no interest when I started inviting him over, but somewhere in the middle of all of that, yes. So he's Mr. Riley, or at least your husband, the father of your children? Uh, yes, he is not a Riley, but okay. <laughs> I get my maiden name. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so you're chalking up the fact that the two of you are together, are enjoying this wonderful life in L.A., in a newly named neighborhood of L.A. <laughs> right. Based on, on some of the food and the aphrodisiacal yeah. qualities of the foods. Yes. If Did- I hadn't been working on that book, I do not believe we would. this would have ever happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no karma involved. There's no coincidence involved. Oh, I'm sure. It's not, uh-huh. I'm not going to say it's, oh, it's, it's absolutely, it was that basil matzo ball soup. No, it, <laughs> there, there <laughs> it's were plenty, magic. <laughs> right? Yeah. There were plenty of factors at play, but it, it was certainly um, played its role. I'm just wondering if there any, any sort of connection between what we believe mm-hmm. is an aphrodisiac as to any kind of studies they might have done on animals. And also the historical beliefs based on some of that. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, as you know, most of the studies on food, on, well, nutritional studies mostly are, they start generally with animal studies and sometimes they don't quite move on. They never move on to the humans. So you just have to presume uh, that it would have the same effect. One of the most interesting ones was a study around 2005, I think, on uh, bivalves. Uh, specifically on a Mediterranean mussel. And there were two, they identified these two amino acids in the mussel, which I I think are found, my understanding, these aminos are found in all bivalves. So, you know, potentially oysters, clams could have the same effect, but it was a study performed on rats and it shows that these amino acids in mussels directly raise sexual hormone levels. Mussels get rats horny, is what you're saying. Apparently they do, yes. (laughs) And And potentially oysters too. Well, oysters have always been the leading aphrodisiac, at least as far as people's conception of what is good for that. Which really is a funny thing when you... Like when you stop to consider it, like why the oyster? It's kind of slimy and gooey, which may kind of represent a lot of well, people's experiences. Yes, I guess right? so. Yeah. People's experiences with that. I I happen to think that maybe zinc, from what I've read, so is a component yeah. which might be in kind of seafood type items. Is that possible? So zinc, yes, zinc is great for blood flow. Blood flow mm-hmm. is essential to sexual arousal and sexual performance. So yes, that is one of the reasons that oysters are considered aphrodisiac. Also the fact, just simply of the protein, good source, easily digestible protein. And for that simple fact, they can help enhance your sexual performance, your experience. Yeah. It's so funny, uh, you know, especially now we're in the day and the age of, of, um, Viagra and drugs that help men perform better. And so aphrodisiacs may not be as important nowadays for modern society because you can say, oh, honey, wait a second. I've got some zinc. Let me rub it all over my body. We'll wait about an hour or two. It's just like, you know, you pop a pill and like, you know, a couple hours later, you're good, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, it's it's kind of an unfortunate trap, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And really what I do is talk to people about the fact that 
that if you pay closer attention to the food you're putting in your body, those things may be very unnecessary, which can be effective in part because people are embarrassed to go to the doctor. Right, right. And although, you know, we don't love changing our diets, we don't love hearing that there are things that, that we shouldn't be eating if we want to have great performance in the bedroom, it's a lot easier to kind of take a look at that and, and shift it sometimes than it is to keep going back to the doctor and keep going into the pharmacy and getting that prescription. Right. Well, you know, the thing about doctors is that they're very good at writing prescriptions, but they have no nutritional background whatsoever. Right. Right. And so th there's kind of a conundrum there. If you're going to a doctor because of, you know, performance or sexuality or, or any of the things related to whatever, it goes right over their head. They just say, there's a medicine for that. Let me write a prescription for you. I do agree. There's way too much of that going on. But I will say I've had a lot of support from like urologists and neurologists mm -hmm. with what I do. And a lot of them will just say, if people would only drink more water. Uh-huh. We'd have a lot less patience. So simple, right? And I do. Yeah, that's just, one of the first things I say yeah. is stay hydrated, drink more water. And that's for both men and women. Yeah. Yeah. Have they decided on what is the appropriate amount? In the old days, it used to say eight, eight ounce glasses of water per day is what you should drink. And then nowadays they're saying, you know, you should only drink when you're thirsty. I've actually, it's funny. I have an article uh, about just this on my website and I was updating it recently. And I, I did read it's, there was, I think I have a link to a nice chart, a nice, maybe the USDA's chart. And it's, it's much more sensible, but it's really, it's, you can't say everyone should have, or women should have this and men should have that. It's much more based on your height, your weight, your activity level. And yes, for some people, they are still saying eight or more mm -hmm. glasses of water. And for some, it's not necessarily that much, but oh, not that many right? people, but not that many people get eight. For me, it's more than eight. And I think probably a lot of migraine sufferers, it's essential for keeping those headaches at bay. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout my life, even before I was a trained cordon bleu guy, always utilize food as seduction, seduction mm. dinners and impressing nice. people and cooking for them. Back in high school, I used to go to my buddies' houses when their parents were out of town and I would pre-prepare a gourmet dinner that they would then take credit for for the girl who was coming <laughs> to their house. And it's because we, we all kind of try to impress people with that. And that's what I've always utilized food for was kind of taking care of people, making people feel good. Whether it led to any sort of a romantic tryst was an entirely different story. But what might you use as far as making something that would be maybe leading towards playful time after dinner? You know, that, that would depend on the person I am making it for. Funnily enough, my for my husband, it's going to sound crazy, it would be a bowl of chili. There is, in one of my cookbooks, Romancing the Stove, there is this chili, and it's it's actually a vegan chili, which I tried it, I tried it with every kind of meat, and it was just better mm -hmm. with without it. It was better with soy. It's just the way, that's the way I make it. But he likes that chili so much. That for him is like the ultimate, that's what he wants. That's his... If I'm making chili, he knows it's seduction night. <laughs> so that's what does it for, for Papa. Like bring mm -hmm. on some of that vegan chili and he is vegan like a chili. dynamo. 
yep. vegan chili. It's hey, spicy. It is spicy. <laughs> it's got the chili peppers that you talked right. about. And that's something that he really digs. And because he's got that connection to it. And because now you have this connection to where it's going to lead to some fun and games <laughs> afterwards. Right. He, he's already psychologically prepped. Yes. Yeah. Do you basically, and forgive the term, whip out the vegan chili when, you, when you're feeling a little frisky? <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's funny. I'm actually reflecting last night. I gave him some leftover chili and I wondered he was looking at me funny and I didn't even think of it. It was just what it was in the fridge. I did. I, was, I didn't even make that connection myself. But now you've made me realize why he was, why he was giving me the eye. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's going to be there. <laughs> So I just was pulled every leftover out of the fridge and we ate a very strange meal of, you know, whatever there was. But yes, I was getting the eye. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's very important. You have to clean out the, all the stuff yeah. that's in the fridge because if you don't do it, no one else is going to. Right. The whole thing with vegan food, it's ultra processed food. And well, once again, yes. I don't want to get on a rant. But so are Cheetos. So... I mean, they're all, you know. So... Right, right, right. right. So yes. Some doctors are saying, you know what? It's not about fruit. It's not about vegetables. It's not about meat. It's about the the ultra processed foods. Yes, right? absolutely. And well, you so can the, eat a vegan diet and never eat anything particular more processed than a brick of tofu, which you could make yourself if you really wanted to. Right, right. <laughs> but I think that a lot of dietitians, nutritionists, scientists, and so on are taking a look at a lot of people on plant based diets, and they're saying, you know what, these people are eating more ultra processed foods mm. than people who are carnivores, for instance. So, is there any truth to that in your mind? Well, I live in Southern California and it may be different than the, you know, the average, but everyone I know who eats a plant-based diet tends to eat a remarkably healthy plant-based diet. Like that kind uh -huh. of puts my diet to shame, uh -huh. but perhaps, you know, if I went, took a sampling across the U.S., I would find something quite, I'm totally open to the idea that I would find something quite different. I think things like beyond sort of took the country by storm. And I think they're positive things to a degree, but people kind of grabbed onto that, I think perhaps and said, oh, well, now I can eat a vegan diet because I have this stuff. And if, you know, that's not something you want to eat more than once a week. And, and even once a week would be a lot to me, but, but people don't understand that. That's Franken food. And oh, yeah, it's just, it it's food totally. made in a laboratory setting. Yeah. So how could that possibly be better than eating something that's... I totally agree with you on that. But if yeah. you are on a vegan diet and you want to go have a burger with your friends once in a while, it's a great option. Answer this question for me. Why is it that vegans get this giant boner for anything that is shaped or tastes like a hot dog or a hamburger? Why is it they're always trying to replicate food into oh. looking like meat? I that's funny. I have wondered this since college because they would serve us, they would serve us Franken dogs at all, at every barbecue in our dormitory. And I was like, why, what is this? And I have always wondered that, but the people that I know who are vegan, they're not eating those. Mm. They're not touching it. I, it's the dabblers. <laughs> the dabblers right. are going for it. It's because they don't, they don't feel right about eating real meat. So they want to eat something that's replicated meat in a, in a yes, chemistry Yes, I think lab. it's so weird because hmm. I always think, well, why would you call this a hot dog when it tastes nothing like a hot dog? Like, let's not pretend. Yeah. Yeah. That's always been one of my, my, my greatest thoughts about like, why? <laughs> why do vegans yeah. and vegetarians always want to try to replicate something oh, that's not? Have you tried the carrot dog? No. It's healthy. It's totally healthy because it's a carrot. Uh -huh. They're making yeah. a carrot, you know, they're putting a carrot in a bun. They'll grill it. I think they'll marinate and grill a carrot and try to call it, pass it off as a alternative to a hot dog, which 
just think it's a little weird. I'd rather just eat the carrot. A beautiful roasted carrot is delicious. It is a thing right. of beauty. I don't want it you know in a bun. Right. And you don't <laughs> want it with additives or flavorings or colors. Well, no, they're just, they're just like, it's a homemade kind of thing. You marinate it, you grill it or roast it or whatever. It's not a, it's not, it's not a Franken food, but it's just weird to me. Why are you calling it a hot dog? <laughs> right, right. And that's still, it, it, it's proliferating. There's there's still so many products that are just trying to be right. something they're not. Right. Well, the whole food world is crazy out of control anyway, whether it's good food or bad food or anything in between. But when you take a look at the supermarket aisles and you take a look at all the super high processed foods and foods that are containing sugar and are like almost all carbs and no protein or nutrition, yeah. that's kind of scary right there. Yeah. I mean, Aside from the cereal aisle, which I do visit regularly, um, I tend to stick to the periphery of the store where the, you know, where the whole foods tend to tend to be found. Yeah. I'm betting that the cereal more for the kids than for your husband who likes the vegan chili. Oh no, my oh. husband is the, my husband would eat cereal three meals a day. Oh, wh yeah. what's some of his favorites, or what is his oh, favorite? He likes to mix. Ooh. Raisin bran with maybe some cornflakes and some Rice Krispies or some Cheerios. He likes to layer two or three. Let me ask <laughs> you this, because I've never heard anybody who likes to mix a whole bunch of different cereals, but oh. what is the correct wine to pair with raisin <laughs> bran? As you may have guessed at this point, my, my husband's not a wine drinker, which is so weird for me. Uh -huh. I drink alone, which, you know, some people say you're not supposed to do, but I just enjoy my glass of wine alone because he, sometimes he'll, he'll like take a pity glass and drink it to, to join me. And I'm like, that's just weird. Don't, you don't have to feel like you need to sip wine to be because with me. Because there's something psychologically um, off about anybody who wants to have a glass of wine by themselves, right? No, no, he has no problem with that. It's just uh -huh. that he wants to kind of be sociable with me you know oh let's have it together um he did suggest that maybe one night a week we should have cocktail night because Ooh. a friend gave us this beautiful antique cocktail bar and i have it all set up and we never ever use it and he said well maybe we should have cocktail night because he would do that but uh, what cocktail? I think a lot of cocktails actually would probably go with the with the bowl of cereal. I'll have to send you guys. I have a, a Mai Tai recipe called the Kiss, oh. which works oh. great for someone like nice. you. And you could reutilize that, repurpose that if you want. Excellent. In, in your kitchen, I am a your sucker for a good Mai Tai. Oh my goodness! And no, this totally wait. works with you. The Kiss. I mean, and what you yes. are all about. Wait, I have a very important Mai Tai question for you. Okay. Yeah. I was taught that the sexy way to drink a Mai Tai, you have to use a straw and you have to do not stir your drink. Leave the layers, right? And then you put the straw in the bottom and as you're drinking, lift it up. So you drink it in the layers. Uh, this, yeah. Is this a common thing or do I just have a kind of crazy friend? It's not common, but it's uncommonly brilliant. <laughs> That's how I always drink them ever since yeah. she taught me that. Well, the thing is, it's like, you're retaining all the layers and the colors, right. so the visual remains. And right. by moving the straw up is like perhaps a sexy maneuver, but it's definitely a maneuver that allows you to taste all the flavors mm -hmm. of the layers. And you have right? to take, yes, the tasting in the layers. It's like, it's right. a new, it's a sensual experience. Right, yeah. right. Load up on a few different kinds of rum, get some pomegranate <laughs> juice, and then everything okay. else are probably common ingredients in your kitchen. Okay, perfect. For the kids. You know, pomegranate juice is like considered one of the, one of the best foods for men's libido. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. we, we usually keep a bucket of it right over here. A bucket. Nice. Now, what are you working on now, Amy? 
today, I'm excited about what I did today. I've been wanting to, for probably six months, I've been wanting to make a date night scavenger hunt with like that ends in an aphrodisiac picnic on the bed. Uh I finally, finally finished it. Like Justin, you know, it, it, it should have been done five months ago. It's not that, you know, that complicated, but yes, I've, I've created this really fun scavenger hunt that you can put together and it has 18 clue cards that you can cut out and hide in the places around. It's just for around the house. You'd never have to leave your home to do it. And it ends. So you're the person who sets it up. The idea is that they then go hide in the bedroom. The last clue leads their Ah. partner to the bedroom and there they are waiting with this romantic picnic on the bed. I see. So it sounds like a scavenger hunt for consenting adults. Oh, very much. Uh-huh. If you're setting this up, then you have all the clues already in mind. So you you're, you could cheat that way. Well, no. So, well, the person setting it up is the uh-huh. one is, is putting it on for their for their partner. Okay. I see. Yes. I see. So okay. you put it on for your partner. You hide in the bedroom mm-hmm. and wait for them to get, go through the whole scavenger hunt and then find you there. You're the, you're the prize. Okay. Right. You're the prize. The scavenger hunt takes your partner all over the other portions of the household of the house. you yes. hide under the covers yes. in the bedroom. Right. Okay. And the last right. hint is to get him over to, to the, uh, the bedroom. Bed. Yes. Uh, how much eating takes place in your bed? You know, it's funny, there is, it's very rare that there's any partner nibbling in our bed. On food. Um, although the, yeah, of food, of food. Though the other night, I'm embarrassed to say it, I had a, um, I had a craving for Cheetos. And we did, the two of us did eat Cheetos in bed. Not very wow. romantic. I think we watched Ted Lasso. It wasn't like we were, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't right. a sexy thing, but. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, the girl who is like all about aphrodisiacs is bringing up Ted Lasso and Cheetos in bed. <laughs> not good. Yeah, right. this is why you should not have a television in your bedroom. Right, or Cheetos. <laughs> or Cheetos. But you know what bothers me about eating in bed is that it's the whole crumbs thing. You cannot be comfortable on oh. the sheets if you're eating there. You so. have to eat on top. Right, right, right. <laughs> you can see I thought no this all through. No pun intended. <laughs> yes. yes, or, or crumbless foods would be, oh, cheese. You could eat cheese. Getting back to the Cheetos for a second. Are you an air puff girl or a crunchy person? Oh, not the puffed. It has to be crunchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. It's gotta, there's got to be an experience. Right, 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 right. You're not one of those people who eats Cheetos and like licks or sucks her finger after every bite and then puts her hand back in the bag. No, no. Oh, no, no. I, I, I have germ issues that like even my own germs. I can't. No, I can't. So you open up a bag of Cheetos. Do you pour them into your own bowl and then have at it? Or do you actually reach into the bag and share that with someone? Oh, I pour them into a bowl. Now we may share the bowl. I'm happy uh-huh. to share my bowl of Cheetos, but n- but no sucking it up your finger. No, I mean that's kind of like double dipping. It is so like double dipping. Oh, yeah. that's the worst. Oh, my skin is crawling at the thought. Yeah, because you know that's there was a, a an article or a piece read I read recently like ten things never to eat, and one would be like the community bowl of chips Mm-mm. or peanuts Mm-mm. or anything like nope, that because never. people are doing lots with their hands, right? Right. Yeah, you would never catch me eating out of that community bowl of chips. Now, I will say you're having Cheetos together. Your partner could happily like lick the the orange dust off of your fingers. That's kind of that'd be okay. That's allowed. Not in between hands. But not stuff. in between. You're done, right, right, and right. then like, oh my Once you're done, fingers. it's like okay, yeah. I'm ready to be cleaned up. And and by yes. the way, I got some down there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, only a man would think of that. But yes, right, yes, right, that right, could work. Right, right. That, I mean, that would that. be a dream come true if if, if my sweetie said, "Hey, honey, I think you dropped some down there." I'd be go, ah! go for it. You know, yep, finish yep, up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like your scavenger hunt idea and your Cheetos, but not in bed. That's just how we. That's how we roll. I used to supply Trader Joe's with five different food products. I had a food manufacturing mm. company in LA and yeah. the Southern California areas way back when. And one was a perfect fit for Valentine's Day and people oh. like you who are into the whole aphrodisiac thing. Mm -hmm. It was a stuffed and dipped strawberry. Oh, nice! Most I've never seen them. Are familiar with a dipped strawberry into chocolate? Sure. But what I used to do is split them up from the bottom, separate mm -hmm. them. Stuff yeah. them with a combination of peanut butter, whipped cream, marshmallow. Whoa! Marshmallow. I see. I was thinking cheese. I've done them with with ah, cheese. Yeah. No. This is a, a pure on sweet and sexy experience. And then wow. put it back together. Then dip it in chocolate. So everything was kind of hidden beneath the chocolate. Wow! And one strawberry is a whole dessert. That's amazing. Wow. Isn't that cool. What else? I am. I'm working on something related to that as well. So last year, I came out with a new product called the Better Sex Bundle for Men, which is basically the answer to, okay, so you don't have like any serious medical problem. You just want to have better performance. Here's how your diet can impact that. And, you know, the, uh, a fact, the other factor, wellness factors relating to your diet. And here's how to approach it. Here are the foods you want to look at. And here's how to stick, you know, some components to help you stick with it to make it a realistic part of your life, right? Because yeah, you don't yeah. want it. It's not like going on a diet. You don't want to, you know, that doesn't work for most people because you'll stick to it for a short time and then go crazy. So I created this Better Sex Bundle for Men. Right now I'm working on the same thing for women, which will help address things like the hormonal shift at menopause and how you, you know, balance that and, and post-pregnancy and all of those things that happen to women that can make the experience less pleasurable or more difficult. The things that we don't talk about, because we do talk much more about what happens for men. And so, yeah, so I'm trying to help women to, to normalize it a little and, and give some advice from a food standpoint. When you talk about the food standpoint of the Better Sex Bundle, are you talking about foods and psychology and techniques and supplements? I mean, is it the whole package or is it strictly food? It is It is strictly food. It is strictly any kind of advice that, that you, beyond what you would need to go to a nutritionist or, or other medical professional to seek. I would never tell anyone to take supplements without talking to their doctor or nutritionist first. For yeah, sure, yeah. because there there can be real problems, unfortunately. But it is about so I have these lists. I have this website called EatSomethingSexy.com, and on my website I have a list of the ten best foods for men and the ten best foods for women. I worked with a nutritionist named Delana Flag. She she writes for the site as well. We came up with these lists together. She, by the way, is a graduate of Cordon Bleu as well. Um, oh, wow! So she is a chef as well. Nice. And so she comes to it from a food perspective, from a love of food, not from a, you must be healthy and eat your Brussels sprouts kind of, because <laughs> I've so met she, that kind of nutritionist as well. So she's yeah. coming from, like you said, someone who really loves right. food, the flavor, the architecture, the color and the aroma, right. not necessarily from a science standpoint where she said, if you want a better money shot, you should eat this. Yeah. It's like, yeah. she's, she's yeah. not coming from that whole sex world thing. Right. Yeah. So we have these lists and both the guide for men and women are built from these lists of 10 foods. 
it's a start that's the starting point mm -hmm. and then it's showing you how to incorporate them what it would look like if you incorporate them more into your diet more um it's not about just eating these 10 foods every day right i give a sample three-day diet of like this is what it would look like if you tried to incorporate them for three days and recipes to help you come up with more ways to use them and then what i think is the most important piece is i added a journal and not like a write your feelings journal, but more of a checklist kind of check in with yourself kind of journal. So you see every, you know, you just every day note if anything was different, like, did I get enough sleep today? Did I exercise today? How did I feel after doing that? Did I change my medication? You know, other, other, all these other factors. Mm -hmm. Was I traveling? Did I go completely off the rails on my diet? And what did that do? And how long did it take me to get back to feeling like myself again, you know, or right. my best self. So all of the, you know, kind of helping you take a holistic look at yourself and, and decide for yourself what's working, which hopefully will encourage you to stay with it. You touch on the common everyday problems that we're all going through with, the, which is um, anxiety, depression, and things mm -hmm. like that. So mood and things that right. would affect a day to day. Exactly. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not, I am not equipped to help you with those things, but I can help you identify mm -hmm. where maybe you need to seek help because obviously not all of it is going to be fixed with eating. You know, there are people who have previous trauma. There are people who have medications that are preventing them from enjoying a sexual appetite. There are, you know, all kinds of things, but at least I can give you the basic building blocks, you know, a right. great starting point. And then you can identify, once you identify the other parts, you know what's not working. I was just imagining that if you were a doctor, you would probably sit someone down and say, you're a little bit low on bivalves, raisin bran, and vegan <laughs> chili. Exactly. Yes. And that would work probably. Eat more chocolate and chili peppers. Yeah. It'll all be okay. As far as the chocolate goes, do you, is there a special chocolate in your household? Or is there something that's, Ooh. is it a higher percentage of the cocoa solids or the, you know, uh, the right. dark chocolate being right. the one that would be better? Right. The darker, the better. In fact, uh -huh. Dark chocolate makes my list of the 10 best foods for women because not only, you know, the antioxidant effects as well as it has some measurable effects on mood. Oxytocin, which, is that well, what it is that so it stimulates? It really deals with dopamine production, but it you really probably, it's like with the chilies, are you really eating enough to get the nutritional benefit? Right. To experience that, it is, you know, it's been measured to be linked with improved mood and it's expected that it's probably to, mostly to deal with the pleasure of it. Mm -hmm. It's a food that has great pleasure. Just the snap of, you know, a good dark chocolate bar, the melting on your tongue. It's just the, and the aroma of it. It's both bitter and sweet. It's just, you know, a pleasurable food. And it's suspected that that's why it has mood enhancing effects. It also, dark chocolate can help balance the pH of a woman's vagina. Mm -hmm. So, you talk you know, about taking it in orally though that way. <laughs> yes. Eat okay. dark chocolate and it <laughs> help balance your ph well, not applied topically <laughs> okay you know i didn't really know where you were going with that so i oh, just no, had to make sure no. you must yes enjoy this the sensation of it melting on your tongue so yes in our house we did have a favorite chocolate my uncle up until very recently owned a chocolate factory in belize mm. and he made some of the best chocolate I've ever had. It's, it was always a very dark, very concentrated chocolate. And what's interesting, I learned that the Belizean cacao is very, very fruity. It tastes almost like cherries. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. It's just, it happens to be just a really particularly delicious cacao. So we love that. Unfortunately, he sold the chocolate factory and retired. So we'll have to find a new favorite. That is a bummer. Have you ever had just the roasted cocoa nibs? Oh, yes. All awesome. the time. We get oh, them completely. here because uh, Hawaii is yeah. one of the very few places, if maybe the only place in the United States that grows mm-hmm. chocolate mm-hmm. and vanilla yes. and coffee. That's true. Yeah. And coffee. Right. Can't forget the coffee. Well, yeah. How important is that to you? Oh, coffee is very important to me. Oh, yeah. Coffee is an uh-huh. aphrodisiac. Uh, it also is a mood elevator to want to kind of get romantic with someone. Um, you do need to be in a, in a good mood. Right. So coffee can really kind of help push you into a place where you want to be, both energetically and, and your mood. How do you address the topic of people sharing, sitting down, discussing, being face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball without the devices, and being able to just <laughs> enjoy the experience of eating? Isn't that in and of itself one of the best aphrodisiacs there is? Oh, definitely. It is. And sometimes putting the phone sound and cooking together for some people can also be... It can create, and just the act of cooking together can create intimacy as well. In one of my cookbooks, Romancing the Stove, I challenged myself to have every recipe offer multiple, either multiple temperatures or multiple textures or both if possible to help heighten the sensory experience Mm -hmm. and try to help pull people into that moment. So they stayed there rather than, you know, jumping off when their, their phone pings to have that enticement on the plate, that sensual enticement to kind of pull you into the moment. Oh, very interesting. So you allow hubby into the kitchen. We've already established that he does not know how to cook. He does he's not know. Welcome, he's welcome there anytime. To I mix have, up his cereal. Right, exactly. I have cooked with people that I was dating in the past and can definitely tell you that, that for me, it was a wonderful part of romantic experience for sure. And I know a lot of people will say the same, but if someone doesn't like to cook, having them there is just superfluous. It's not, it's not going to help. I've always enjoyed having people nearby. I'm one of those people mm. pleasers, that kind mm. of warm and fuzzy guy. But when it comes to my kitchen, that is really <laughs> my domain. I don't want anybody within arm's reach. Oh, and, that's funny. I actually yeah. have a counter with two stools in my kitchen so people can keep me company. They don't just sit while I cook. Keep me company. I enjoy oh. it. Well, have, you know, like a nice bar area, but it's a ways mm-hmm. away, so I can still hear oh. them. <laughs> okay. No, mine, we can be face to face. I can sit, I can be on my stovetop and I can talk, have a conversation with them the way I have it set up. And this is probably a really good time for you because we're coming up on Valentine's Day, right? right? Yeah. So you're getting a lot of bookings right now. It's the season. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. I was going to ask you about tipping and what you thought about Mm. tipping at restaurants because you are a food person and Right, right. Yeah, tipping. American tipping. I I mean, I believe in tipping your server, of course, and, you know, trying to take care of that stuff. But American tipping is out of control. The, The whole thing where you go to order takeout and before you've even been given your food, you're being asked to put 20% on the bill for what? Someone to pack the bag? Yeah. Is there anything more awkward? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> Tell us uh, where your website is and what the recent book is and the latest and greatest of oh, Amy Riley. Okay. So the best place to find me is on eatsomethingsexy.com. Um, sign up. You can on any page of the website, you can sign up for my mailing list. And that is the best way to keep up with me. I, If you write to me, I write back. Yeah. That's very rare in this day and age. I know, but I enjoy it. 
And so then you can find out about these new things like I made a scavenger hunt or the better sex bundle for women is finally here. So that is definitely the best place. If you're interested in any of my five cookbooks, they are all available on Amazon. So that's an easy place to find them. Perfect. In fact, on social media, you can find me as at Fork Me Spoon Me. Oh, I love that. Your titles are great. Your book titles and all that fun stuff is really, really good. It's engaging stuff. Thank you. And just so you know, thank you so much for joining me today on 50 Tastes of Grey, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Good. Me too. And we'll talk down the line. Let me just say aloha to you for now. Aloha. Take care. I'm curious, right. what were you doing before this show? I was running Hawaii food tours for 16 years um, from 2004 to 2020 when the COVID shit show hit. Before that, I was yeah. the food writer for Hawaii's largest paper, food writer, restaurant critic. And before that, I was a chef and entrepreneur. That's where I know owner. your name, from the paper. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, probably Yeah, so. I was trying to figure out where I knew it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Best of success to you, Amy. It's really oh, been a lot of fun. You. I love having fun interviews and I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy the Hawaiian sunshine. Of course. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.